0: And uh, our speaker today uh, is someone who uh, is part of Emmaus, Mick and Lynn Brooks are just uh, much loved members, and so it's easy to take them for granted, but actually um, Mick uh, heads up CWR if you 've ever heard of that, uh, which is uh, based down at Waverley Abbey, just down the road CWR Selwyn Hughes they started a thing called Everyday with Jesus, which is read by hundreds of thousands of people around the world every day to help them connect with jesus they 're probably the leading institution training Christians in counseling and caring for broken people. Mick trained as a psychiatric nurse he 's been dean of a theological college in another country uh, there 's amazing people uh, but But most of all, they're just friends and family members. And he's going to hate this big build-up. And he's probably going to say something now to deflate it. But could you put your hands together, please, and welcome Mick and Lynn. Oh, no, just Mick. You're not coming, are you, Lynn? Just Mick Brooks. Thank you. Thank you. You should never believe your own publicity. That's the first thing. Secondly, I remember being with Selwyn... um, at a conference, Selim was the founder of the ministry that I now have the privilege to serve. And there are a lot of people in this place. There are a good few thousand. And the, uh, the, the person that was introduced to them said, Tonight we've got with us someone whose words touch and change people's lives all around the world. This, this person that is here with us tonight will change your life for the good. This person here tonight has touched people down through the ages. Please welcome Jesus. And our speaker tonight is Selwyn Hughes. <laughs> Fortunately, Jesus is here with us this morning. Amen? Okay, very good. Well, we're going to continue our series this morning of John 15. And uh, we're going to explore verses uh, 12 to 17. It was very good that uh, this series is called Love 15. And it's also very impressive this morning that you've all turned out, as Pete kindly arranged Andy Murray, to reach the final of the Open Tennis. And in a minute, when I ask you to look up a verse, do not look at the score and call it out. There are some people that have this on record, please. I was also tempted when I was thinking about this to make as many references to tennis as I could. But as this was the second service, I thought I wouldn't. Thank you. <laughs> but I promise you I haven't done it. So, Because I did think about giving a prize for those who got the most. But there you go. John 15. This is Jesus' farewell discourse. In other words, this is a piece of scripture that should capture our attention. Because this is the piece where Jesus say, is saying, he's not quite saying, it's my paraphrase. I'm off now, but remember this. These are my last comments and remarks that you need to catch hold of and live. These are the things that need to be reinforced and remembered. It's a bit like when parents are leaving you somewhere. You're, you, when you remember you're a small child and your parents always say to you, and don't forget to do this, and you must do that. And you, must, you know, when you're at that, that parting moment. And you know as a parent they're probably not going to listen to you anyway. They just go off and do their own thing. But Jesus is saying, this is important. These are my farewell comments the series began for those of you who can't remember with Pete and and Hannah Pete talked about the uh, the roots shoots and fruits dealing with the whole vine and the imagery and the importance of the vine in uh, New Testament times uh, Hannah I'm glad to say had the majority of the gardening and horticultural kind of moments because anyone that knows me that any aptitude I have for gardening is if you can cut it down And preferably burn it. That's about as far as my gardening expertise goes. Let's set fire to it. Oh, no, no. Oh, that's not all of it. Okay. So, we've explored success. Jesus said, if you follow my commandments, you will have success. You will experience breakthrough. breakthrough. You will experience joy. You will experience friendship. That's God's calling on our life. In John 15, he says, I have called you. My friends, like Hannah, I turned to my resources to explore this whole topic of friendship, and so I went to my usual um, sources—Google—and <laughs> some of you nervous laughter. Uh, and I discovered when I Googled this whole issue of friendship, I discovered that Friends ran for ten seasons and exist and consisted of two hundred and thirty-six episodes. Should I ask how many of you have seen all those episodes? Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> so I looked for other inspiration, and I discovered or rediscovered Care Bears and My Little Pony. Who wants to own up to having a, a My Little Pony or a Care Bear? I see that hand, thank you. We are having prayer at the end of this, aren't we? Yeah. People can come, come and be delivered from Care Do you know what? They have a catchy little tune, please don't sing it, <laughs> called Friendship is Magic. Yeah, exactly. I also found probably my most favourite of all of these was Toy Story. And the whole song about you have a friend in me. And I will ruin the morning for you, possibly now, by mentioning this. the other thing I came across was this, that I discovered that everything is awesome when you're part of a team. (laughs) That starts to bounce around in your mind, that little tune, doesn't it? (laughs) The movies, books, magazines, they thrive and survive around relationships and friendships. It's a multi-million dollar industry. However, what you must remember is this, that Hollywood doesn't always tell the truth. And now it's official that relationship movies, rom-com movies are not good for relationships. It's official. It's not just Charlie Brooker that says this. Rom-coms have been blamed by relationship experts for promoting unrealistic expectations when it comes to friendships and love. In fact, they go on to conclude... Yeah, all the men are saying amen. (laughs) you with me, fellas, on this? They go on to say that films... This is their conclusion. Films do capture the excitement of new relationships. But they wrongly suggest... That trust and committed love exist from the moment that people meet. These are qualities that normally take years to develop. So let's explore this now with a little more academic vigor. Um, I did dig into the lexicons and I dug around to get to grips with this word used in John 15, this word of friendship, to get to understand the roots and the depth of what it means. And I discovered the Greek word there used is philos, meaning friend. (laughs) Isn't that something? It says, it's more, it says, to be a friend, to be friendly to one and wish them well. So I guess God is a lot more straightforward than we give him credit for. Because he says he has called us to be his friends. What is Friendship, then, what is this sought-after commodity that everybody is looking for? Friendship is a mutual affection between two or more people. You can have more than just uh, one friend. Friendship has been studied in the academic fields. It's the sociologists, social psychologists, philosophers, and uh, anthropology have all looked at this aspect of friends' And friendships. And interestingly, I also discovered that there's a world happiness database. And again, it concludes that those people with friendships are much happier and successful in their lives. Because you see, it's widely recognized that friendships, healthy friendships, have a positive effect on you physically and psychologically they're good for your physical and mental health and there are many types of friendships they're hard to define but friendships do have certain characteristics who wants to yell a few characteristics of friendship out how is it your friend makes you feel when you see him coming along what are what are the attributes and characteristics of a good friendship encouragement yeah trust that's oh, such a big one what? sorry competency constancy very good yeah very good laughter yeah. unconditionality yeah see these are all these are all aspects of friendship honesty understanding compassion laughter enjoyment trust Making mistakes without fear. (laughs) Friendships are, without any doubt, one of the most valuable gifts that we can ever experience or enjoy in life. Without it, our days are subdued in monochrome, black and white, not full color, uh, technicolor, high definition, like God wants us to live. Those relationships are priceless. That can develop into long-term trust, easy laughter, a comfortable sharing of silence, as well as the as well as the, the delight of you know just gabbling chatter. <laughs> Relationships of that kind of stuff don't drop out of the sky. They they don't get announced. It takes investment, it takes intentionality, time, tears and perhaps even a stroll through the autumn lanes of tragedy to form something that is very strong and real and authentic. The world and the church alike are aching for authentic friendships. And we desperately need to know that friendship is God's idea, and to get to grips with it. If we need friendships, does that make us needy people? I don't believe so. I'm just getting closer to you guys because I keep walking into this bit at the back there. So, if I get close enough, I'll be able to reach down and pray for you on that front row. <laughs> yeah, God's just moving me closer. There you go. <laughs> um, does this make us needy in any way? No, I don't believe it does, because you see, I believe that healthy friendships are part of our original design, because we must remember this that God doesn't exist in isolation. God himself exists in a community, in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God does not exist in glorious isolation. God already exists in relationship, and mankind was created out of relationship. It's point of our existence. If you go right back to the beginning of time, to the book of Genesis, when God almost very first introduced himself to mankind and people, his opening words, practically his opening words were, let us make man in our image. There it is again. You see, friendships, relationships are the thread that is woven into the very fabric of our DNA because we too, being made in the image of God, are designed to live in friendship, relationship and community. We just can't Escape that. Not in independent isolation, but God dependency, other centered relationships. This is why I believe loneliness and isolation are so devastatingly destructive. Isolation and loneliness is painful and damaging. I believe probably that loneliness and isolation are the worst pain known to mankind cut right in to our very soul. It cuts right across the divine design. It disrupts the personality, the very core of living in relationship. This is a universal need for friendship and for relationship. I'm constantly amazed (laughs) that we forget that people are always watching, watching carefully how we do life. How we do friendships, how we do relationship. Because a great friendship is just amazing to behold. And to watch. A loving, caring church is, I believe, the ultimate announcement of the kingdom of God. It's what God intends. It's what God has called us to. In Matthew 5, it tells us that he has put us like a city on a hill to shine out. To shine out what? Our relationships. Naomi, just a few weeks ago, reminded us that this is how people know that we are the sons and daughters of the living God. That we are his disciples because we love each other. We reach out to each other. We share life together. But the reverse is also true. People look in onto the church when they bruise and damage one another. And they will understandably be quick to reject our, Im- to reject our message if, as messengers, we're only seen as cage fighters. It was Gandhi's stinging observation to us when he said, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Very stinging. How do we go about building friendships, relationships? Three things, three significant things we can do. and um, uh, One of them is... Proximity meaning actually be together. You've to to build a friendship, you've got to be near enough and close enough to see each other and do stuff. Do stuff together. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Do lunch together. Why not do lunch together and then go for a walk? That'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? (laughs) Proximity, be with each other. Frequency. Someone said, uh, uh, it was one of the words over here, I can't remember what it was exact. Constancy. that's right. Do these things frequently. Get together often. Do it informally. Do it formally. Do it just without plans. Drop in on each other. <laughs> that's always a surprise, isn't it? Just go hang out. You'll find someone as they really are. You remember that point when you first saw someone special in your life? and you wanted to hang about, maybe you're in that position now, there's someone you kind of got your eye on. What do you do at those times? You make sure you kind of turn up where they are. Oh, I didn't know you were here, that's a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) And you start to find out things about them, you explore that relationship, you kind of tell them things about you in the hope that they would like you too. Spend time with people. It's because then, as you spend time with people, they become real. They don't become a face any longer. They don't become that person who sits in the fifth row back, left in. They become a real person. Create opportunities. So proximity, be around people. Do it frequently and create opportunities to share ideas. Do stuff together. Do, like today, do stuff today. Do, uh, go to Ibiza. Uh, do ready for action when it comes along. Because sometimes, when you're doing other things together, relationships build. Because it kind of feels not quite so intense. Sometimes it's a bit like we're having a coffee, coffee together, we're getting to know each other. It kind of feels a little bit odd, doesn't it? But other times, if you just do stuff, a friendship relationship develops. Let me say this. Don't be perfect. Perfection sometimes is a barrier. Because perfection... Sometimes as Christians, we don't want to let the side down. So we always tell everybody we're happy and we're praising God and all this kind of stuff. But actually, it's a little bit intimidating to be around people who present as perfect. It's okay to be imperfect because Jesus knows you're not. (laughs) And he's comfortable with that. C.S. Lewis says this, Friendship is born at that moment when one man says to another, What? You two? I thought I was the only one. (laughs) <laughs> and if we can be honest with each other, that's what we discover. Sometimes it's a little bit difficult in church life because we're, we're not always good at the long haul. But friendships is reinforced and compounded. Uh, the difficulties of friendships are, uh, uh, are compounded sometimes by our consumerist approach to life. And sometimes we're looking at people about what they can do for us, as opposed to what we can give to them. Rabbi Sachs said this. He said, we live in a consumerist society, a buy-it-use-it-once-throw-it-away society. If we're not careful, that spills over into our friendships. Instead of fixing something, we just throw it away and get a new one. True friendship is born out of walking together over time, which takes intentionality most people here will have a best friend a bff i won't ask for a show of hands (laughs) i can guarantee you this there will come a time when those enduring humorous heartwarming amazing traits of your best friend will become utterly frustrating irritating and annoying do you know what that's okay This is all part of friendship. In fact, this section of phase of life of friendship's got a name, and it's called storming. Before you move on to norming, storming and norming. You see, if you press in at this stage, it enables a much deeper, richer level of commitment and uh, and intimacy and authenticity. So many conflicts in our relationships arise because of our obsession to Be someone to prove ourselves better or stronger or brighter than somebody else that we know. Just as the tempter invited Jesus, the the wilderness-weary Jesus, to prove himself, we too face this struggle daily. And strangely enough, it's often within the context of friendships that we really experience it, that competitiveness. We want to put ourselves forward. This is something we need to rein back on. Not like the disciples jostling for position with Jesus. We need to rein that back, not to push in the front. My observation is that anything worthwhile and meaningful arises from a long lasting, healthy relationship. At this point, I would have showed you a video clip of my Luddite abilities. Kind of destroyed that moment. It's usually at this point, as I said before, that Pete would show us a mountain bike trek or mountain climbers and give us a quote from some long-dead saint with an amazing name. I was going to show you a primary school teaching aid with small children talking about their recipe for a friendship soup. Uh, And they said, they said to these kids, what is it you put in a, what is your recipe for a friendship soup? And they said this, kindness, goofiness, having fun, honesty. And by that honesty, they meant not lying or trying to be cool or like your friends, but being yourself so they can like you for who you are. They took out all elements of jealousy they poured in a teaspoon of arguments because that develops respect, safety, trust. These, you see, are the building blocks of relationship. In fact, they went on to, get, so they went on to say in this little video, what have you added to your friendships in this week? What is it like being a friend of yours? So here's the challenge. Can we take some risks this week? Can we invest in friendships? Can we invest in our current friendships? And can we reach out and make new friendships? I want to challenge you this week to three outrageous acts of friendship. And three acts of beginning new friendships. So that's one a day until next week. Six days. Six days of outrageous acts of friendships. Determine to resolve any competition or controlling attitudes you have with existing friendships. Write to one of your existing friends and let them know, because sometimes people don't know they're appreciated or they're loved or they've been a good friend. Tell them. Discover something new about somebody. Give a gift, even if it's a hug. Pay for someone's parking so they can come to church. Invite someone for a coffee. Uh, uh, Be thoughtful and wish well for them. Arrange to sit down and watch all of the Lord of the Rings movies in one sitting. You'll discover who your friends are then. One of the highest forms of friendship is hospitality. And that's what the early church was encouraged to do. So I challenge you this week. Six outrageous acts of friendship. Just start to jot them down now of what you're going to do. And now I've finally got to the text. Isn't that the longest introduction? You're very very polite, all of you. The text reads this. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. No one has greater love. No one has shown stronger affection than to lay down and give up his life for his friends. Listen, this is Jesus. You are my friends. If you keep on doing the things I've commanded you to do, I do not call you servants or slaves any longer. For the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I've called you my friends. That's a pause quietly and think on that for a minute kind of text, isn't it? But I have called you, my friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. I have revealed to you everything that I have learned from him. (laughs) No longer are we slaves, servants, but friends. Sometimes there's been a bit of a controversy about that word slaves and servants in that text. Most... uh, Translations now don't use the word slave because it's thought that at the time of translation they were very uncomfortable with the connotations of being slaves. But let's just think for a minute. Servants and slaves, they were different. Servants are workers that are paid. Slaves are owned. Uh, Servants could quit if they wanted to, but slaves could not. Servants could have more than one job, but slaves solely worked for their master. And so, just remember with me for this. This is Jesus' parting shot, as it were. He says, you are my friends. If you keep doing those things which I commanded you to do, I do not call you slaves any longer. For the servant, the slave, doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you my friends. If you keep doing the things I have commanded you, I do not call you servants or slaves any longer. I call you my friends. Jesus is calling you his friend. He's allowing you to be yourself, to hang out with him. He's offering you honesty. He's wishing you well. He's offering you mercy. He's offering you safety. He's offering you purpose, which is next week's uh, talk when the next uh, uh, exploration of John 15 comes up. No longer is God that distant, demanding deity doing something else on the other side of the universe in a galaxy far, far away. We are no longer servants and slaves, not knowing what God is up to. Servants and slaves have no rights to come into the presence of their master. God has granted us access. We are no longer like the servant or the person in the crowd who's trying to catch a glimpse of their master in some official uh, coronation or state occasion or celebration. Each one of us here has been called to be friends of God. He is thoughtful towards you. Psalm 139 says this, How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast the sum of them. God is constantly thinking about you. One of the turning points for me in my Christian life was I came across a song by a guy called Dave Bryant, and this would have been some years ago now. And he wrote a song called God Likes Me. I can't get it off my brain, but he likes me. And see, it's easy, isn't it, for us to say, yeah, God loves me, because somehow that's something else. And after all, parents, that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to love their children, aren't they, after all? But it moved from God loves me to God loves me likes me (laughs) that's pretty amazing God likes you that's what he says to you this morning I like you I want to be your friend what does a friend mean? it means he wants to be your friend (laughs) you know God not only likes you but he knows you he knows you you can't surprise him with anything Nothing you tell him will cause him to fall off his throne, but he likes you. What's more, he trusts you. So much so that he has entrusted to you his very own reputation. God loves to spend time with you. He's forever building bridges towards you. This morning, I don't know what your relationship with God is or where you are with him. Whether he's just an acquaintance, someone that can come close enough, but not too close. Maybe your relationship with God at the moment is within the storming stage. And you're irritated and frustrated with him. And you're not being cooperative and you're pouting and you're just saying, God, could you stop doing this? Let me say to you this, God can take the scrutiny. God can take that discussion. He is big enough, he has broad enough shoulders to carry this. Press in, don't give up. Because as you push through, you will discover with God a whole new intimacy and friendship. You'll discover a friendship with the one who knows you best and who can offer you safety, honesty and respect. I'm going to ask the guys to come up and uh, lead us a bit in worship. I'm going to finish up here and hand over to Pete. But let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us about our friendships, about making outrageous friendship uh, um, events this week, about our um, relationship with our God. Because Jesus said, I've called you my friend. He wants to hang about with you. He wants to have an honest relationship with you. Outrageous acts of friendship. Maybe you're storming with God at the moment. Be determined to resolve this. Maybe today you feel isolated and alone. God doesn't want that. God doesn't want that. He can heal you this morning of that. And he's here and he's willing to do that. He's building bridges to you. Maybe this week you need to determine to spend more time with God, proximity. Create those sacred spaces that Hannah was talking about a few weeks ago. That those building blocks of friendship and relationship might grow. So I'm going to finish now with a scripture that paints a word picture of God. How he looks at us, how he reaches out to us and how we can reach out. To others, And it's from 1 Corinthians 13 in the message. And it says this. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first. Love doesn't fly off the handle. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel. But it takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps on going to the end. Amen.